0: I I was talking to a pastor just last week, funnily enough, from the United States, and uh, he was saying that he thought he was doing fine, Mm. and his his elders said, we think you're exhausted. Mm. Ask your wife. So he asked his wife, and she laughed at him. She she said, you're exhausted. (laughs) (laughs) I remember shocking the church that I was pastoring, and I, I said to them, if I have an affair and leave my wife, I hope you will love me enough to put me out of the ministry. Uh, there may be all sorts of things I don't particularly like about him, and there may be things he doesn't like about me, but hey, we're we're loving the Lord Jesus and serving him in the gospel, and so it's that focus on the gospel that's mm-hmm. such a healthy, healthy thing.
1: Hey everybody, I want to welcome you again to the Before You Quit podcast, where we want to bring courage and perspective when serving gets hard. Man, does it get hard sometimes? That is why we do what we do on these podcasts. My name is Mitch Schultz, and I am your host. I'm also the director of a ministry called Fruitful Vine Ministry. Okay, here's the big topic for today. It's a good one. Uh, Let me set it up with this, though, before I explain what we're going to do. A couple weeks ago, a friend recommended a book to me um, and rather intriguing title. Uh, rather long, but it's titled this: "Your pa- what your the book your pastor wishes you would read, but is too embarrassed to ask." Uh, let me say that again. I stumbled through it the first time. The book your pastor wishes you would read, but is too embarrassed to ask. So I ordered the book, and I was really moved by it. I decided I would uh try to reach the author i mean how does one go about do that doing that and i i just did some research uh, w- uh web researches googled it and i found uh the author it turns out he's a pretty well-known author in fact his name was familiar and i thought i i've heard of him before and uh and sure enough i was correct but i'll tell you um about him in just a minute let me let me say this first uh the pos- podcast that i do uh all the different subjects that i, I usually cover here uh, is for both pastors and more importantly for those who attend church, who love your church, the, those of you who love your pastor. Uh, this is for ministry leaders and people who love ministry, who are committed uh, to this idea of, of church, uh, of missionary work, and so forth. Uh, did you know, uh, those of you especially who uh, attend church, love your pastor, love your church, did you know that you have the ability? but also the responsibility to care for your pastor, and as you do, he ends up being a better pastor for it. You end up benefiting from it? Great notion, isn't it? Uh, It's a pretty amazing proposition. Well, I have the privilege in this podcast to talk about that with the author of the book, Pastor Christopher Ash. Uh, you'll notice right away that uh, Pastor Ash is, uh, is British, and he lives currently in Cambridge, England. He is a writer-in-residence at Tyndall House in Cambridge. And before that, he worked in telecommunications, was a math teacher. Then he was a pastor and a church planter, and then the director of a, uh, the Cornhill Training Course in London from uh, 2004 to 2015. He's married to Carolyn, uh, who serves on the board of the London City Mission— And they have also been entrusted, I love the way he puts that, with three sons and a daughter and six grandchildren. Christopher and Carolyn belong to the St. Andrews the Great Church in Cambridge, and he's also the author of a number of books, including Remaking a Broken World, Where Was God When That Happened, and Job, the Wisdom of the Cross. He's also uh, in the process of writing a commentary on how we sing the Psalms, in Christ, and with Steve Midgley, he's writing a book about anger. Uh, This might be of some interest to a few of you. He follows the Swanson City Football Club. They're in the first division, not the premier division. In fact, they ended up 10th this year, but hey, I don't think that's that important relative to everything else we're going to be talking about. Uh, So let's jump into that conversation right now. All right. Well, I have the uh, privilege of talking to someone uh, across the pond, as they say. Uh, Christopher Ash. you are in, in Cambridge, England. And uh, so, right. good, uh, so good to be looking at you on my screen. This is going to be an audio recording, uh, at least the output, but it's good as, as I talk to you to be able to see you. So thank you again for being willing to do this.
0: Thank you for asking me.
1: Yeah, and I was uh, sharing with you before we hit record that... Uh, Uh, You know, we lived up in the northwest of England. And, of course, this time of the year, it's beautiful. I I loved it when it warmed up. Of course, warm is 65 degrees uh, was about the high temperature uh, in the northwest of England. Our Uh,
0: standards of warm are different from yours. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I remember seeing a postcard once uh, showing the difference between summer and winter. And it was the same scene, rain in both cases. Someone's under an umbrella. But in one, they're wearing shorts. In another one, they're wearing longer trousers
0: and, and a coat. That's, <laughs> I, love, I love that. Yeah. That's, very, that's very English.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, okay, here's how this, uh, this came about. I, a friend of mine about a month ago sent me an email and said, Mitch, have you, have you seen this book? And I said no, and I read a little bit about it. It's a book that you wrote entitled, rather intriguing title, uh, The Book Your Pastor Wishes You Read but is too embarrassed to ask. And uh, I went ahead and ordered that and read it and was uh, uh, really challenged by it. And again, my audience, I think, is probably uh, 50% people in ministry and, and 50% people that I describe as as loving the church, committed to the church. And uh, so, uh, yeah, thank you for writing that. First of all, did you come up with that title yourself? Or did you have any Battles with the Editor. How did that come about?
0: Uh, the Good Book Company came up with a title. We we thought it was a difficult sell. Mm-hmm. It's difficult for pastors to say to their churches, "Come on, guys, here's a book that'll tell you how to look after us better." So yeah. it, we, they thought they thought up this slightly cheeky title, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, well, I think it's a good one.
1: <laughs> it is. Yeah, I love the long title. It reminds me of like you know books that people like William Carey would write that were like a whole paragraph was the title.
0: Yes.
1: (laughs) yes. uh, So, uh, all right. So uh, tell us why
0: you wrote the book. Well, I wrote the book because I I was in pastoral ministry and then I was working in a training course, the Cornhill training course in London training Bible teachers and preachers and uh, many future pastors But now I'm back in in Cambridge, I'm writer in residence at Tyndale House, so nobody's paying me, nobody's housing me, so I thought maybe I could write a book on how we as church members should look after our pastors. My experience had been good, people looked after Mm. me well, and so there's no no sour grapes, nothing awkward about that. And I thought, well, maybe I could have a go at writing a a book. I wasn't aware of books that teach us as church members how we should look after our pastors i guess the springboard was was that verse in hebrews 13 verse 17 which says that we should look after our uh, we we should make our pastors work a joy mm-hmm. rather than a burden uh, because if it's a burden it won't do us any good so that was my kind of springboard and i thought well i'll Yeah go.
1: yeah and and when i read that verse that that struck out i i've read hebrews so many times but uh, never really focused on on that as a value uh, to, you know, the, the body life and, and the relationship between the congregation and, and, the, uh, and the pastor or the pastoral staff. Uh, I talked to one of the staff members, showed him what I was doing. He says, well, don't, don't forget, it's not just the pastor, it's the pastoral staff. Yes. You want to make sure this, uh, this applies to all. Uh, when you are talking about sour grapes, my, uh, sorry, I, I will throw in some humor here. My ministry is called Fruitful Vine Ministry. And uh, my dad always refers to it as sour grapes. And he says, is that, is that what it's called? I said, no, Dad, it's fruitful vine ministry. <laughs> um, and then I'll sometimes say it's the ministry for the pastor who wines. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Um, in, in the book, you, yeah, how do we segue from that? Um, uh, you, you talk about seven virtues that a church um, of church members that will impact the pastors. I think you refer to them as virtues, certainly principles. Do you mind if I read each one? And are you Not okay sure. commenting mm-hmm. on that? I did this once with an author and I, I said, tell me what the seven things are. He goes, you know, it's been a while since I wrote that book. Could you remind me what I said? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I've learned how to ask questions a little bit better. Uh, but the first one is daily repentance and eager faith. Uh, what are you What are you looking for there?
0: I think it's, it's that pastors come into ministry because they long to see men and women come to faith and grow mm. in maturity in Christ. And in some ways, the best thing we can do for them is to repent daily of our sins and trust daily mm. in Jesus. It's, you, you immediately think, oh, well, we should pay our pastors properly and so on, and, and we should. But actually, if we're believing and repenting, then that'll put a spring in their step, and they'll think mm. this is this is terrific. This is what we're in ministry for.
1: Yeah, and one of the things I talk a lot about and long for is is that emphasis on uh, on Sunday morning, reminding uh, people of the gospel, what the gospel is. Uh, you know, a lot of people come to church uh, feeling like they've messed up and they're hurting. And uh, I love it when we can come to church and be reminded by the leader, or the worship leader, or the pastor that, hey, uh, we just want to remind you today that uh, we're sinners. Uh, that's why we've messed up during the week, but we're forgiven sinners, and here's why: because of what Jesus did for us. It's, it, but, but it's beyond that. I mean, you're you're looking for something that uh, that that emphasis is is stretches farther than just a comment or two on a Sunday service, are isn't it?
0: Yes, I think it's that. I can remember when I was a local church pastor, if I saw somebody who was suffering, I, I hurt with them. Mm-hmm. But if I saw them trusting Jesus, I rejoiced. Whereas if I saw someone who was very comfortable and everything was fine and they were in good health and they had a good job, but they weren't really trusting Jesus,
2: mm-hmm.
0: my heart sank Mm. it's a paradox really i i could i think i tell the story of two visits i did one yes. where everything was fine but there was no real repentance and faith the other where everything was not fine it was miserable but mm. there was real faith and i i i was thrilled with that
1: now if we if we're talking about here what the what people should know about the pastor, what you're calling for here is for is for the pastor to emphasize this. But what's the role of the believer in this? I mean, how are they empowering the pastor and encouraging the pastor to 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 live this out, to talk about it, to emphasize it?
0: I think it's 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 a two way thing, isn't it? When you're you know, as those of us who are pastors, we preach. Uh, we 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 call on people to repent and trust and go on trusting Jesus,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and when they do, it encourages us to I, go okay. on doing good. our ministry. Good. It's that,
2: mm-hmm.
0: where, whereas when they're sort of hard-hearted, it,
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know, we, we should go on appealing to them and preaching mm-hmm. the gospel to them, but it's harder.
1: That's good. That's good. Yeah, it's seeing the gospel at work that encourages the pastor. So if yeah. you want if you want to encourage your pastors, uh, repent a lot of your sins. <laughs> yes.
0: Yeah.
1: The second one is committed belonging.
0: Yes, I had in mind that that a pastor's heart will be in tune with the Lord Jesus' heart, which is the building of his church. Mm -hmm. And therefore, it's not just an individual repenting and believing, but it's belonging to a church and seeing a church built up in Christ. And that's a wonderful thing. And it's just the ministry of, of being there and being yeah. there at the prayer meeting and, and relating to people and building relationships and all the kinds of things we ought to take for granted. But I guess in a lot of churches, there are people on the fringe who they may be believers, but they don't really belong. Hmm. And it's, it's encouraging for our pastors if we really belong.
1: Yeah, and and one of the things that encouraged me when I pastored was someone who, for example, might not be able to be at a service or they're traveling, and they would call me and let me know. Yes. Uh, I found that very uplifting that they that yes. they they were committed to belong. Uh, it's really
0: good, isn't it? Yes. Yes. When yeah. And I try
1: saying, to I try to do that too now. You know where where I yeah. attend. If I if I know I'm traveling or I might not be there for a couple of weeks. Uh, I'm not going to tell them if I slept in. That's where I draw the line. But, uh-huh.
0: <laughs> but if I'm not yeah. a, if I'm not able to get to the prayer meeting I'll yeah. usually send a message saying I'm mm. really sorry I can't mm. be there because. Okay, I'm away. so yeah.
1: again, this is another way that uh, folks can encourage the pastor, and uh, it's not it's not yeah. something that comes naturally to to mind, is it?
0: Uh, no, it's, uh, no. I mean, it, it it kind of ought. I've. When I wrote the book, I, I thought these things kind of ought to be obvious, mm-hmm. but um, they probably need spelling out.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and thank you for making the book easy to read and, and uh, rather brief, too. You know, it's not a, it's not a huge volume, but uh, it's thorough. It, you did a great job in, in the content. It was, it was well done. Uh, the you. third one is open honesty.
0: Yes, I, I had in mind the kind of openness that Paul longed to have with the church in Corinth. And I, I had in mind two things. One was being honest with our pastors about our struggles. Mm-hmm. And the other was being honest with our pastors when we were critical of them. So, mm-hmm. with our struggles, you know, how, how are you doing? Fine, mm-hmm. we say. Mm-hmm. And then the next thing in it, they know um, there's been some disaster, or our marriage has broken up, or there's been mm-hmm. some scandal. And it's much better to, to say, honestly, actually, I'm really struggling. Perhaps I could come and talk to you about this, or we're struggling in our marriage, or whatever it may be, so the pastor has a chance to, to pastor us.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and the other is, if we're critical, not talking to one another in the church all about how awful the pastor is, but actually going face-to-face, which is so much harder. Mm-hmm. It is. Talk to the pastor and say, look, I was unhappy about this or whatever, and talk about it as a a brother in Christ. Yeah, that yeah. kind of of openness, really. Mm-hmm.
1: That's good. Uh, yeah, it's it's on. You know, the emphasis there is honesty. Uh, mm. You know, if 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 someone asks you how you're doing, particularly the pastor, uh, b- being honest allows you to uh, allows the pastor to shepherd you well because he knows the needs of the sheep. Mm. And uh, and I, I maybe our tendency is to put on a front, you know, to give the impression that we're doing well. Uh, and and sometimes it's a protective thing. I find a lot, particularly with my ministry, that when uh, people have a history of conflict or they've had several experiences of conflict, they're not going to be as open because they don't trust people. And, and it, it does take yeah. work. I think it's selective. You have to choose the right people. And yes. uh, again, yeah. I think the pastor's a, a, a wonderful person and someone maybe on staff who's maybe in, involved in pastoral care can, uh, yeah. can be really helpful there. Yeah, I asked someone recently, you know, how are you? You? And they said, well, it could be better. And I said, well, what would it take to go from it could be better to you're doing well? And they just opened up, you know, and just yes. my, my following up with just an additional comment, I think, invited them. They, they knew I was uh, standing there. You know, posture is important, you know, if we're just walking by and we ask that and it's obvious we're not going to stay to listen. Uh, they're going to give a very perfunctory answer. Yes. Uh, but, yes. Uh, you know, I think uh, I think just looking someone in the eye and shoulders straight and showing concern oh. invites that. Uh, the fourth one is thoughtful watch- watchfulness. What
0: are you looking for there? I had in mind the... Um, the, the place in, 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 in Paul's letters to Timothy, where he says to Timothy, watch, keep watch over yourself, your, your life and your doctrine. Okay. Mm-hmm. And we want to encourage our pastors to make progress and to keep watch over their life and doctrine. So it's that watchfulness, encouraging our pastors to grow. And it may be encouraging them in their reading, maybe mm-hmm. encouraging them to go to some conference that will encourage them maybe encouraging them to have some study leave, uh, maybe encouraging them to to work hard at their studies. It'll be different for different people, but just that sense of I'm wanting my pastor to grow, I'm wanting my pastor to make progress, and I want my pastor to know that he's pastoring a church where we want him to make progress. Mm -hmm. That that, that, that sense, really. So I've tried to explore in the book some of the ways in which that might might work out.
1: And you know the 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 audience here is, is is who you write to is is the broad one, and you know in the sense of the the church community. Uh, I wonder in this one if there's a a spe- more special burden or responsibility on the elders or or deacons, yeah. as some churches call them, to uh, to to have that responsibility of uh, you know making sure the pastor is is looking uh, at his life carefully and and. Uh, and, and recommending some of these things, you know, I, I know our church here, the associate pastor was given a gift a couple Sundays ago because he, he was involved during an interim time as we were looking for a pastor, did a great job, you know, managing everything. And, uh, and they gave him a financial gift and sent him on a vacation, you know, and yes. I, that's what great. you're talking about,
0: isn't it? Yeah. Yes, I think so. And also, I guess most pastors are married. My, my wife, used to, she's just handed over. She used to lead the team that ran three conferences a year for pastors' wives in, mm. in the UK. And, and some churches will pay for the pastor's wife to go on a conference mm. um, with other pastors' wives because we value their work. So that can be an important part of it too. Mm-hmm. And that, that's been a really valuable ministry.
1: When when that has to be a hard conversation with a pastor, you know, let's say the elders are concerned about maybe a lack of discipline, fatigue. Um, yes. uh, you know, it's it's affecting his his study. Um, you know, he's wearing out. What? Uh, how 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 do you encourage leaders to take something like that on? That could be a hard conversation to have.
0: Yes, it can. I I was talking to a pastor just last week, funnily enough, from the United States. And uh, he was saying that he thought he was doing fine. Mm. And his his elders said, we think you're exhausted. Mm. Ask your wife. So he asked his wife and she laughed at him. She said, you're exhausted. (laughs) (laughs) And then he believed it. So they gave him some study leave and a a little bit of a break. Yeah, no, I mean, it's a great thing when a a group of elders can, can trust one another enough to have those conversations. And uh, yeah. I mean, a, you yeah. know, a pastor needs to know that the elders are loyal and supportive, and they're on on his mm-hmm. side. But when it works well, it's great.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes a pastor can be defensive and
0: mm.
1: and uh, and and push back on that, uh, which yes. which can can come out of insecurities as well. Yes. Um, yes. All right, loving kindness is the next
0: one. Yes, I, I couldn't quite think how to put it. I was thinking, mm-hmm. you know, at the end of the Acts of the Apostles, when Paul is being brought as a prisoner to Rome, mm-hmm. and some of the Christians come out on the Appian Way to meet him, and they didn't have to do that. They, 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 they came mm. out to meet him outside the city, and Paul was encouraged, Luke tells us. And it was just an act of kindness, really. Mm. I, I'm not sure it had any more to it than that. Mm. And I've heard some lovely stories of Paul. Uh, of, of pastors, where people in the churches have just been kind in ordinary ways to them, maybe babysitting or things to encourage their children as they grow, or just little acts of kindness or flowers, or I mean, all sorts of ways where, in fact, I'm going to stay with a pastor friend of mine just at the end of this week. And when he went to, to, to start his pastorate, the church was very kind. The, the care they took to decorate the house and to get it all ready. And, and it, it's, it's easily neglected, we think, in functional business terms. And we forget that, that simple kindness can count for a lot.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it doesn't take much, does it? And we, and we, uh, to,
0: we, we, we kind of hope our pastors will be kind to us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's good if they are. But good well, to again, remember the we'll... other way.
1: Yeah, and we'll look at this in a little more detail in a few minutes. But uh, one of the, one of your your thesis in in the book is that if you show kindness to your pastor, if you take care of your pastor, you're you're going to benefit from this. And I'll I'll be mm-hmm. asking you uh, to expand on that a little bit. Uh, high expectation is another one. If you could kind of generally explain that in in a few minutes, I've got something. To ask, uh, you know, to kind of peel some layers on that one. Yes. But, uh, when, yes. Yeah. So this, this this is an intriguing one. I, it I, is. I, I, why you left it towards the end of the book?
0: <laughs> it's a counterintuitive
1: one. It is. It because is. The, yes.
0: it's the one Timothy three. It's a noble task, and therefore mm-hmm. high uh, standards of godliness are expected, and it's the the paradox that. If we expect our pastors to be godly, they'll, they'll strangely, they'll know that we really value their work. And, and it's, a, you know, so as pastors, we are tempted as everybody else is. We have all sorts of temptations in marriage or pornography or financial misbehavior or angry outbursts of anger. There are all sorts of things we're tempted to. Mm-hmm. And if we know that the church expects high standards of us, it, it helps us to resist those temptations. I, I mean, I, shock, I remember shocking the church that I was pastoring, and I, I said to them, if I have an affair and leave my wife, I hope you will love me enough to put me out of the ministry. Yeah. And being English, they looked a bit shocked, but I meant yep. it.
1: Yeah, yeah. I read that in your book, and I thought that was, uh, yeah. I mean, that's a commitment that you have before there's ever a crisis, obviously, you know, I mean, yes. it's a commitment. So, so how, how, is, and I'll go ahead and go to this question now since we're talking about it, how, how is this communicated in a positive way? So it doesn't, it's not perceived or received as restriction or, or a burden to the pastor because it is, as you mm. said, it is counterintuitive.
0: Yes. Yes. I, I'm not sure because when things are going well, uh, in a sense, there's not much needs to be done. I guess if there's a culture in, in our churches that when something does go wrong, when there is some scandal, some grievous sin, um, that... That pastors will be put out of ministry, and, and that we know that that's the church culture that we live in. It's a, it's a hard thing, isn't it? But I guess it's the 1 Timothy 5 thing. You don't entertain accusations lightly. You make sure that they're true, you know, the two or three witnesses. Mm-hmm. But if they are true, there does need to be discipline. Yeah. and Yeah.
1: Yeah, there's a positive uh, aspect to this too, uh, and I, I can't remember if you touched on this specifically in the book, but uh, you know, high expectation and in, in preaching, for example, and high expectation that you'll be a, a person of prayer and that you'll you'll lead well and you're control your temperament and be a person of character. What would be some of the the more positive, you know, maybe top two or three things that you would say, this is what we expect from you as a pastor. And, and the congregation's expecting this too, not just the leaders.
0: I guess things like, um, I mean, obviously being a one woman man, you know, purity is really important. Mm-hmm. I, I think not being not being violent, interesting, both in Titus and in 1 Timothy, that's specified. So not being a bully, not being a hot-tempered bully who pushes people around, Mm -hmm. that's easily neglected. And, and, And that's, I think, really important. Sometimes I think the insecure pastor is more likely to be a bully mm-hmm. rather as the insecure high school kid is more likely to be a bully. Um, so so I, I think, you know, that kind of violence and, and the gentleness and kindness from the pastor is a, is a, is, is, is a big one. I would have thought, but you've had a lot of experience. You've probably got thoughts on this. Y-
1: yes. Um, yeah. I mean, I think, I think personally, when you go through, uh, a, a lot of things. Uh, it's a test of your your character, and uh, you know, suffering. You know, as, as David said, it was good that I was afflicted, that I might yeah. learn your statutes. It makes a better pastor. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm just curious what the role. In fact, I I have a a, a blog that's going to accompany this this podcast. I, I talk about there's two churches that were. Polar opposites uh, for me. One was a community of healing after we had gone through some of the things I shared that we had gone through, and and uh, and and with that that high level of commitment to see us heal, there there came an expectation with that that you've got a calling, uh, you know, you have a you have a message. You're you're a wounded healer. God's going to use you, and as a congregation, we're going to help you. Uh, be what God wants you to be out of this context of suffering and and then we went to another setting, you know uh, another church where it was completely opposite uh, but by then I was healed, so I was able to handle better some of the yes. uh, some of the hard things there that uh, that we faced um, but but again in the you know again i 'm coming back to the area of a high expectation or commitment to preaching the word preaching the gospel, how does a congregation communicate that expectation to the pastor? Like, let's say they observe that he's getting sloppy in that area, and there's a restlessness that, uh, you know, they're, they're not, it's obvious they're not studying hard, and they've gotten yes. too comfortable. What's what's the role of the congregation there in raising I, that, that bar? Yes,
0: yes. I. It can be little things like somebody saying or messaging and saying, I'm really looking forward to Ephesians three or whatever it is yeah. you're preaching mm. on Sunday. And they message you on Tuesday and they say, I'm really looking forward to that. I'm praying for that. Mm. And I can remember a time when somebody said something like that to me. And I thought, well, I better get to prepare. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, it was good for me. Uh. I was feeling discouraged and demoralized. And someone said, I'm really looking forward to it. And I thought, well, I must, I must, uh, I must work hard. Yeah, I guess it's yeah. important in our, in our age to to encourage integrity and hard work mm-hmm, rather mm-hmm. than huge giftedness. Yeah, I think a lot of our pastors sort of compare themselves with the, the internet superstars,
2: mm-hmm.
0: whoever the big names are in our church circles. And, you know, they may not have quite that whiz-bang of the superstars. But mm-hmm. if they've got integrity and they're working hard and they're praying, um, they'll be, they'll be posturing faithfully. And we want to encourage that.
1: Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I can see that email to the pastor on Tuesday. I'm looking forward to that message and a verse by verse exposition of that. <laughs> and, and the, 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 uh, you know, the Greek meaning of those words, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> yes. Really push him, push him high, won't he? Zealous submission. I, I love that. What, uh, what do you see there? I, I hear when I read that chapter again, I, I, I heard the gospel driving the commitments that yes. the congregation has to
0: the pastor. Yes, yes. I was trying to tease out what it means to submit to our leaders and our mm-hmm. pastors. And I was trying to tease out that it's not a passive, well, I'll just roll over and let them do what they want. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a, there's a zeal. It's to encourage them to lead And so long as they're gospel people leading in gospel ways, I want to get my weight, put my weight behind what they're doing. I suppose negatively I've seen, you know, and you may have done as well, too many churches where there's a little power block of older members who've been there long before the pastor came and they love being the powerful people. Mm-hmm. They may even be related to each other, and they're, you know, they're the ones who who love being the ones who hold the power, and the last thing they want is for the pastor to lead. And it's that it's that sense of, you know, mm-hmm. the pastor may be leading in in gospel priorities that they might not be precisely the ones I would have chosen, but you know, it's his job to lead, and I'm gonna I'm gonna go with him and follow zealously.
1: Yeah, and that's a that's a, a reverence for the position too, uh, isn't it? If I can yes. put it that way, it's a, it's a recognition of the office that that's a sacred office and yes. God has placed that man there. Yeah, you use the word gospel partnership. Uh, I love that. Do you want to expand yes. a little bit on that? Yes. And then gospel vision too was another term that you used.
0: Yes. The, 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 the phrase gospel partnerships become quite a big thing in the UK mm-hmm. these days between churches. They yeah. may be different denominations. There may be different associations of churches. But the sense that we share a clear gospel and so we can work in partnership in, in, in some measure. But I think it's true within church, within a church, isn't it? Yes. You know, if my, if my pastor is a clear gospel pastor, uh, there may be all sorts of things I don't particularly like about him. And there may be things he doesn't like about me. But, hey, we're, we're loving the Lord Jesus and serving him in the gospel. And so it's that focus on the gospel that's such mm-hmm. a healthy, healthy thing.
1: Yeah, you, you, uh, you reference Philippians 1, 4, and 5. I think that's where Paul talks. He thanks them for yes. their partnership in the gospel, isn't it? Yes, Yes. So, exactly so here, here's, here's a question that kind of brings these seven values, virtues together. How, how does the congregation then benefit from valuing the care of their pastor or their pastoral staff? What's the I, return there?
0: Yes, yes. I think the return is, it's, it's this strange dynamic, isn't it, that, that a church that's exhibiting these virtues is going to be a church that's, in one sense, easy to pastor. I mean, it's never easy, but there's going to be a sense of, "Hey, this is good. I'll get out of bed in the morning and do this. So I'll get on my knees and pray, and mm. I'll, I'll I'll do this with enthusiasm because I can see that the, the, these guys really appreciate the under shepherd leading that I'm giving them, yeah. and so they'll strangely they'll get better pastoral leadership and pastoral care from the pastoral team, and in theory, a whole bunch of hard-hearted. Um, sinners should be pastored just as well by a faithful Mm -hmm. pastor. But the reality is it's much harder. It's much easier when there are soft hearts. and and That that, that real warmth and that sense of we want to go with Jesus and the gospel together.
1: Yeah. As you're sharing this, it reminds me again, just a a little little rabbit trail here. We'll we'll hop back to the topic in, in a second here. But when we were working in, the northwest of England uh, a few months there, I complimented someone and they turned to me and said, you're, you creep. <laughs> and right. Of course, of course in, a, in the States, you know, we take that as, you know, you're creepy, at, you know, it's derogatory, yes. you know, yeah, yeah. but there it was a, uh, you're, you're trying to uh, you're creeping in to get something back from me. Uh, right. You know, and uh, that's not all bad, is it? I mean, we no, should no. we should feel free to compliment. We should feel free to yeah. affirm. And uh, even if there's some reluctance, or we feel like the person doesn't deserve it, uh, it's it's mandated, isn't it? We're we're commanded yeah. to do this. Yes. So so we should all be creeps. In that sense. <laughs> in that sense, yeah. I love the statement. Um, this is on page 30. Let me read this and just ask you to comment on it. By teaching us, by preaching to us, by praying for us, and by watching over us, our pastors lead us into the into maturity in Christ so that we may serve as each of us is individually gifted to do. And, and my question is, when that breaks down, what's what's the consequences? And again, you if you could quote again hebrews 13:17 in your answer
0: yes i mean i mean i suppose i i based quite a lot on hebrews 13:17 mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the 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 injunction to submit to our pastors to make their work a joy rather than a mm-hmm. burden because that wouldn't be any good for us uh, but i guess it's also the the building one another up equipping the saints for the work of ministry that sense that as as pastors preach teach us the bible pray for us encourage us individually small groups the whole church all the different ways in which pastoral staff do that we grow up into maturity in christ and the 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 different gifts that different people have begin to be used and to function well as the the whole church grows so it's 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 not sort of one pastor kind of pushing the train along all on their own Mm -hmm. but there's a sense in which everybody's serving, uh, together.
1: Yeah. I guess guess that's what I have in mind really. That partnership there, isn't it? Yes. Yes. I think so. This is a, this is probably the best, um, line in the book. You might not agree. You might have your own, but uh, this is what I really stood out to me. Uh, you said you, you and I have in, in it, sorry, you and I have it in our power to demotivate our pastors so that they are gradually ground down into a slough of despond, from which they will be utterly unable to do us any good at all. But we also have it in our power, so to cheer them, so put a spring in their step uh, that they will gladly do for all of us that we hope and pray. Uh, <laughs> um, that, that's just beautiful. And uh, which of these do you see more in display in your studies and your experiences? I mean, you probably have seen both. We, we've seen pastors, you know, ground down, discouraged, exhausted because of the pressure, the expectation, you know, not the kind of expectation you were talking earlier, but unrealistic expectation.
0: Yes, yes, uh, yes. I've certainly seen that. I was talking to a young pastor just a couple of weeks ago, being ground down. His, his, his fellow elders are older than him and not mm-hmm. supportive and very critical. He's a fine, faithful young man, he's a fine preacher. He prays for them. And it's really hard for him and really discouraging. Mm-hmm. And there's no sense of support. And you can see you 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 wonder if it's going to be sustainable and hope and pray that it will be. And that, that well, that some of those elders will cease to be elders and that there'll be some better ones or, or that they'll repent and become more supportive. So I've seen I've seen the negative. I've seen too many examples and it's not limited to any one denomination. It's not limited to Baptists or Presbyterians or in any particular grouping. Mm-hmm. You see it everywhere. But I've also seen the opposite. Mm-hmm. Uh, just before Easter, we were with friends in, um, in the Isle of Wight, just off the south coast of England, uh, serving in a church. And it's not particularly big, and it's all thoroughly normal. And the sinners are just as sinful as everywhere else. But um, it's a wonderful church. The mm. hospital for sinners, and 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 the, the the pastor just loves the people, and they love him,
2: mm-hmm. and
0: you can see how well that works. Mm-hmm. You know, he he had some. They had a really tough time with a someone who'd fallen into grievous sin, and it it took a lot out of him. And so the church said, "Oh, you need a you need a kind of unscheduled break," and they sent him and his wife away on a on a vacation, really, uh, and that was great you just see mm. a, a church working really really well I don't know which I've seen more of mm. if you catch me on a bad day I'll tell you I've seen more of the bad ones if you catch me on a good day I'll tell you I've seen more of the good yeah. ones
1: well that's what that might be what contributed to your good day or bad day what you observed yes. right? yeah yeah you, you you mentioned just one or two more things here that one of the maladies that hurt a church is the lack of openness and honesty with our pastors uh, What what's behind that you think
0: I don't I think culture is, I mean, you've served in the north of England and in the United States, so you've seen the differences either side of the Atlantic. But certainly I'm aware that in England and probably Scotland and Wales and, and Northern Ireland, um, we, we tend to keep ourselves quite close and we don't easily open up, especially men. Mm-hmm. We don't easily open up. And it's very hard for a pastor to pastor men who won't ever be vulnerable? Of course, some pastors aren't vulnerable,
2: mm-hmm. and
0: could do with being a little bit more vulnerable. Uh, it may be different in, in in the United States. I don't know, but I I just think that that, that you don't need to wear it all on your sleeve. Mm-hmm. But just like that, that man who said to you, "Well, it could be better," mm-hmm. you know. And I was thinking, yeah, you can you can say something like that. It could be better, or actually, mm-hmm. it's it's not been a great week. Yeah. You don't have to spill all the beans, but you're just saying, actually, actually, there's things that that, that I need help with. And yeah, I, I think
1: it, I mean, people are generally the same anywhere, I think. I mean, there are, are cultural differences. Uh, uh, I, we found when we were working in England as a pastor and, and loving people, giving ourselves to people, that once there was a level of of, of deep friendship, people were extremely open. So I think there's yes. a element of trust there um, in, in the state. Now, one, one of the things we're finding now, maybe you've run into this, that the the younger generation, millennials and, and those below them, uh, they love to spill out all their sins and, you know, their struggles. And sometimes it's too much. It's like a badge of honor if you're yes. dealing with something. Uh, so that's a whole new thing that we're going to have to, I think, get accustomed to in the church and, and align our gospel response appropriately to that and that's um,
0: re- that's really interesting because i think you're exactly right and the danger then is that people become self-obsessed and yes. we have to we have to push them outwards mm-hmm. and say actually there's a there's a there's a needy world out there mm-hmm. there's a lot mm-hmm. of darkness out there needing the gospel yeah um, so let's not always be thinking about ourselves
1: yeah that's a really good point really good point all right any any final comments that you have
0: Well, I'm, I'm, it's a funny old thing when you write a book, you know, Mm -hmm. it's just you and your keyboard. You never know what's going to happen to it. And I'm praying that it'll do some good. I'm praying that there'll be church members and elders and deacons and whoever will read it and that they'll be thinking, uh, somebody said to me today, just in Tyndale House, someone said, um. Oh, she had been reading it, and she's begun to pray for her pastor.
2: She mm. Mm. hadn't really
0: been praying for him. She she knew she should, but she hadn't really mm. done that, and she's begun to. And even simple things like that—if that begins to happen—if the book is a catalyst for that—I'll be very thankful to God.
1: Well, it, it, it's it was certainly your goal, and it's good you're you're being encouraged. I mean, I'm I'm one that was d- deeply encouraged by it, and uh, I'll do what I can and the little hemisphere that i have I, I think my i always joke that my two listeners i think will be very very encouraged one's a pastor the other one's a lay person um <laughs> But, yeah, I, I, had, I, had coffee, I had coffee with a pastor today, and I, I mentioned this. He goes, oh, yeah, I was reading about this book yesterday. I saw it on the Gospel Coalition uh, website. So it, it, is, it is certainly making its uh, yeah. circles. Well, uh, Christopher, thank you so much. This has been a, a very uh, provocative uh, but also very encouraging and enlightening conversation. So thank you for taking the time. And I'm glad we had a good connection across the pond here.
0: Thank you, Mitch, very much. God, God bless you and your ministry.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Well, there you have it. Thank you
1: so much for listening to this episode of the Before You Quit podcast. If you have any comments or questions about anything we've talked about today on Before You Quit, you can email me at mitch at beforeyouquit.us. You can also go to our website, www.beforeyouquit.us, and uh, listen to other podcasts, read blogs. You can also go to the write-up about this podcast and uh, look at the different books and resources that uh, Pastor Christopher Ashe has written. So until next time, stay encouraged and be courageous because serving Jesus is worth all that hard stuff that comes with it. And remember what we're told in 1 Corinthians 15, 57-58. But thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. So until next time, stay encouraged.